I think I've got something. All right. <clears throat> anyway, you ready? Yep. All right, let's do it. Hello and welcome to the Watcher's Guide to the Marvel Universe, the show Alan Moore would have written a snarky fake letter about had he been aware of our existence. I am Max. And I am JR. How's it going? Oh, it goes. Uh, doing pre-move stuff and work. Got to the yeah. gym a couple of times, so I feel better about that, but... Other than that, not much. You? Cool. Had a fun little mini vacation at a hotel room last night because uh, we lost power for a bit yesterday. Um, what kind of lost and, power? Uh, because of rain or just like a heat blew up a trans? The heat blew up a transformer. I think it was the heat blew up a transformer. Okay. There was a big section of the area around us that lost power. Um, and God, like the uh, the lights right outside. Uh, near us were fucked like yeah they're really they're really busy in the late afternoon because there's a lot of people that come up shoto traffic way sure uh and it was bananas out there um but yeah uh so we'd lost we lost power and then uh we were just like we rented a hotel room so that we could stay somewhere cool and then the power was coming back on and we were just like, well, fuck it. Let's go stay at a hotel. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. But uh, anyway. I don't know whether I'd rather... We lost power when it was like four degrees outside last year. Yeah. And I don't know whether... Or maybe it was earlier this year. I think I would rather... And that sucked. I don't know which would be worse. Losing power because it was hot or losing power because it was cold. I think losing power because it's hot. Because the thing, about, the thing about it is, like, if you... If you... Like, if you lose power when it's cold, you can layer some fucking... Uh, some... Uh, blankets on and you know burrow in um whereas if it's hot like there is nothing you can do that you can be laying there naked and still just die <laughs> i don't know i don't know i i'm inclined to say hot but i also run hot so i yeah and i absolutely fucking cannot stand cold i i can't do it so yeah, that's probably why I'm like I'd rather because, and I'm also thinking about the animals, right? Because that was their biggest right. problem was how are we going to keep these tropical fucking birds from dying if it drops below sixty? Yeah, um, yeah. I guess for you guys that's a yeah. Yeah, uh, but like, same problem, opposite direction with the heat with the cats because they're both fuzzy as hell. So I guess best case scenario you do there is throw them in the. Throw them in the carriers, put them in the car, and turn on the AC in there. Well, the good news is the cats... I mean, the thing the thing about it is the cats have certain... Uh, certain traits that are that allow them to keep cool 
relatively well. Uh, we load them up on water, and uh, our basement is relatively cool even in the summer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like they they know they can come down here where it's cooler if they need to. Um, yeah, and but like, and the birds, they're from fucking India, so yeah. they don't give a shit. It could be 120 in here, and they'd be like, "This is great." This is exactly what I'm for. Uh, Yeah. And meanwhile, so I kind of feel like we would just lots of water everywhere. And then, yeah, go someplace with a pool. Yeah. So anyway. All right. That uh, was a weird tangent. No, that's cool. (laughs) Uh, News. Uh, so, Annihilation, Marvel has teased another Annihilation storyline. Which I am 1,000% on board with. Uh, I think. Because, fuck yeah. I am too. That's a good idea. They should do that. I mean, the the original, or the first one was good, and then Conquest was better. <laughs> so, I'm definitely in. Yeah, I, uh, I am, genuinely, I love a lot of, Marvel's recent cosmic stuff. Um, <clears throat> the big, the big crossovers they've had in terms of the cosmic stuff between Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest, War of Kings, Thanos Imperative, on and on and on, has had a lot of really cool stuff happen. Um, so I am definitely on board with another Annihilation. Uh, but there aren't any details at the moment. Uh, there's just a teaser image of Annihilus, and uh, I guess it's coming in November. So, yeah. Uh, if you've never read Annihilation, do. Because yeah. um, Annihilation one and Annihilation better... Conquest are both fucking phenomenal. It's one of the better crossovers of the last 10 years, 15. Yeah. And all of wasn't it going on during Civil War? So it was like everybody else was reading Civil War when they should have been reading Annihilation. Yeah, pretty much. Um, It was one of those things that I mean, if you if you like what they've done with any of the Nova stuff, any of the Guardians of the Galaxy, any any of this stuff, like it all has its roots in Annihilation. And, uh, so yeah, it's fucking awesome. I love it. Um, and, uh, you can't, you can't beat that Annihilation prologue where, you know, everything's hunky dory and then suddenly the Nova Corps gets wiped the fuck out. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I don't know. The, the next thing is probably only of interest to me. Uh, but Miracle Man is going to be appearing in Marvel 1000 uh, with, on a page done by Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham. Um, which, supposedly with, uh, with Marvel owning Miracle Man now, Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham are maybe supposed to be finishing their run on Miracle Man from back in the day. But I don't know. We'll see. Um, but yeah. Um, 
And then the last thing is Alan Moore has uh, has officially retired from comics. He hasn't he has not retired from writing. Uh, apparently, he's still going to write. He's just done with comics uh, with the release of um, the final issue of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen: The Tempest. Um, and I, I will say this is this is something I really enjoy. He had a parting shot in the letters page at uh, Comicsgate, uh, wherein there was they've been doing fake letters uh, in the series, and one of the letters was "Dear Alan Kev, as a middle-aged uh, conservative incel sitting wedged behind my keyboard, trolling Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez with my Batman t-shirt covered in Pringles, can I just ask with a straight face why you're leaving the comics business? Yours, Hiram J. Comicsgate Third, Oklahoma, Ohio. Um, and all the, all the only response in, in this was, yes, Hiram, our Old Testament, you apparently can. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's interesting. I, you know, Alan Moore has been such a, such a force in comics for my entire lifetime that like, I don't know. I, I figured, I figured his the only way he would actually ever stop making comics was when he inevitably got shivved in a bar. Uh, or eaten by some or eaten. woodland animal. Like, <laughs> right. like f- the, the fucking elusive English bear. <laughs> <laughs> right. We, previously known as Alan Moore. Like, I don't... I, I, I'm stuck on the description of Alan Moore from... Warren Ellis's do anything, which is just a man, a man with a beard like two fat badgers sat on his face, uh, <laughs> and then like something about polishing up a crowbar that he's going to use to beat me to death with. Uh, I don't know, like Alan Moore awesome. and I. I mean, clearly, V and Watchmen are fucking masters masterworks both of them uh watchman is incredible blah 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 we don't need to beat that horse yeah, like, <laughs> like neither of those it's, really. it's, it's well like, documented it well like, document oh you've you've clearly read a comic book uh yeah so i don't know it's weird i because i had kind of already considered him i thought he'd already retired i didn't know he was still doing league um i should look into that there's probably a bunch of trades out there I missed out on. Anyway. Well, this is volume four, I think. Oh. Uh, Never mind. I've read the yeah. first two. And they are. Yeah. Two is weird as shit. Isn't that the Dr. Shivago where they, like... No, uh, two... The second volume is uh, Martians. Oh, it's, with the, uh, they, they fight on a Zeppelin? Yeah, it's Moriarty, then Martians, where uh, where Hyde fucks uh, Griffin to death and everything. Uh, and then 
the uh, the third gets into like the black dossier and then like yada yada yada. But isn't yeah. there one where um, we, there's no, it's not Doctor. It's uh, Island of Doctor Moreau where we're putting animal heads on people. That was in two. That was in two. Sorry, okay. I misunderstood. Yeah, no, yeah, that was my they, bad because I said Chivago when I meant to Moreau. It was uh, they they went and got something from. Uh, Moreau that turned out to be a uh, a mutant virus with which they defeated the Martians. Oh. So, yeah. Comics Woo. are weird. <laughs> Eleanor <coughs> is a weird man. But I, uh, again, going back to Miracle Man, I fucking love Miracle Man. Yeah. Uh, it's another one of those, if you've never read it, if you've never read it, turn this off, go read it. Okay. Seriously. Like. Bye. <laughs> bye. Uh, <laughs> see you in a bit. Uh, but no, it's great. And the nice, uh, the nice thing about, uh, about Marvel winding up with the rights to it is that they actually put out like really nice hardcovers of all the old Miracle Man stuff. And it's fucking great. Uh, I have my petty niggles about that, but whatever. It's it's a topic for another time. Anyway, comics. Comics. Uh, Defenders number 30. Uh, written by Bill Mantlo, penciled by Sam Granger, inked by Jack Abel, colored by George Russos, and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Karen Mantlo. This is the definition of bullshit filler. Um... Doctor Strange is uh, is approached by some thugs uh, who are working for a dude that has taken Kyle Richmond hostage. Uh, he's like, "Yeah, sure. Let's uh, let's go to my house, and you can uh, I'll get your money." And so he takes them in and has Wong give them some tea, and they all wind up asleep. Uh, and then he gathers valkyrie this and is hulk and just the dumbest goon too because he's yeah. like hey how do we know you're actually gonna go get your money and not get cops and he's like does it like does it seem likely that i would put kyle in jeopardy you've told me you have him and he's like oh yeah you're right like what you still <laughs> go with him you idiot and also don't sit in the parlor and drink tea with your hostage Definitely don't yeah. drink tea from your hostage. What the fuck are you doing? All yeah, right. these guys suck. Uh, but the uh, the upshot is there's some asshole named Tapping Tommy. So Kyle Richmond's former um, business manager, Pennysworth, bought this studio that it turns out is a front and he came out to assess the property when this tapping Tommy was just like aha I have you now um and this guy's thing is so he looks like he's got a top hat and a cane like a straight cane and the tuxedo tails he looks like he's out of a bad 
musical, right? And that's his deal. It's like it's like the end of uh, Blazing Saddles. Exactly, and he's like because musicals died. Movie musicals died around now. Um, yeah. Like the last one, the Hello Dolly flop was probably in '67. I don't remember. Uh, or '76, and you. I could check on that. Anyway, but then he, so he's pissed because he doesn't, he can't get work anymore because he, he wants to be in showbiz, but he's made for musicals and he, they're not making them anymore. And it was uh 69 apparently. Okay. You're referring to the one with Barbara Streisand and Walter Matthau? Yes. Uh. Um, And he is, I mean, his parents got taken to jail. Like, he's an anti-Batman as well, because, like, his parents got taken to jail for gun running or something, and then they died in jail. And he found this, like, uh, special effects guy on one of the lots that he was sleeping in as a kid, and this special effects guy basically took him under his wing, and it's Alfred. And it's... And then he basically, he's gone insane with madness. and here He's mad with jealousy and a need for revenge. He sucks. Yeah. The Defenders show up, they get their asses kicked, and gassed. Um, Hulk fights a big robot. Valkyrie's awesome during the fight, because... She's the best. Uh, eventually they get gassed and then wake up on this fucking set uh, of a musical number. Everybody fights robots. It's bad. Uh, and then they get out and they... Pennysworth has this box that he's using to control the... Or not Pennysworth. Uh, whatever his name is. The Alfred. Al- the Alfred analog. Uh has this box that he's using to control the robots Val kills the box everybody pounces on Tommy um the end yeah it's 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 just real dumb like as a filler issue it's not even it's just because it's real dumb but oh well yeah alright uh so Captain America annual number three is written and penciled by Jack Kirby, inked by Frank Giacoya and John Veerporten, uh, colored by Janice Cohen and lettered by Gaspar Saladino. Uh, Cap is called out to a rando farmer's uh, property because of a UFO. Um, he, I, We find out in the course of things, Cap was doing an interview in, in the city, and the dude called in and was just like, I got a UFO. And Cap's like, all right, I'll check it out. And uh, so what it turns out, Cause we this start, is the short version, because this is, this, this is wibbly as fuck. Uh, uh, well, and it, because we start, and then the, half the reason it's so wibbly is because we start in, the, in like, in media res. Like, we're already going fighting the alien. Fighting an alien, anyway. Yeah. And because of that, we have to spend so much exposition time after the aliens defeated retelling how the hell Cap got here. Yeah. And where he was before and why. 
and it's yeah. a little annoying. But go ahead. But uh, the upshot of all of this is this ship landed on Earth. This alien is on the run from some empire, um, and they're sending they're sending operatives after him, uh, which is one of the things that Cap and uh, this farmer Jim Hendricks kill at the beginning, or stun. I don't know. Uh, it evaporates, but it disappears as soon as as they defeated self-cleaning uh, yeah and uh so over the course of things we discover that this this alien is called the captive and he was he was being held in a black hole for millions of years um but then escaped and now he's on the run from these assholes the empire's commander sends some combatrons uh after them and uh they um it's uh sorry the combatron was what it was sent first then it sends magnoids my bad yeah the magnoid robots um he manages to oh and they're making um, a, every time they send down a new contingent of anything they're making a big deal about not sending living right objects or soldiers it's always got to be inorganic matter or some more automaton Um, of some sort yeah and so the magnoids are coming cap goes to scout around and he has jim and the captive go to the captive spaceship and get any weapons they can get a hold of well while he's gone the captive's just like well i need to recharge my power and jim's like yeah okay but first let me deal with this so of course we know what's coming. Like yeah, as soon Jim's as they, gonna get it. As soon as they rob, <laughs> get into the ship and he starts acting all weird, it's f- the the part that's funny is that Farmer John here never ever turns around and is like, "Hey, dude, like a little less creepy, if you could." Yeah, like I I saved your life. If you could just a tone down the volume. And B, just the content as well, like, of the things you're saying. Just, like, a third less creepy. And yeah. I, I would be, that would be great. Because he's saying things like, I need to feed. <laughs> and right. now you're, uh, and now we're alone. And when I feed, I will become stronger. And it's like, and I'm like, oh, man, Farmer John's going to be a desiccated husk. Yeah, and that's exactly what happens, because when the captive is like, I need to recharge my power, you know that means you're either getting eaten or loved. And uh, the the fact of the matter is, there's, the latter is highly unlikely. Um, yeah, that's not really but, Kirby's go-to. Yeah, <laughs> that would be incredibly progressive for Kirby. Yeah. Uh, so... Cap gets back and he's like, where's Jim? And the captive's like, oh, he's down in the hold. Hey, uh, why don't you head on down there? And Cap's like, okay. And he's like, Jim, Jim, why are the lights off, Jim? And it's like, Cap, this isn't your first fucking day. What are you doing? And uh, he's just like, Jim, are you over here in the shadows? Jim, are you in the dark here? And... Finally, the captive comes down the stairs, too, and he turns on the lights, because he's like, are you an idiot? Uh, turns on the lights, Jim's on the floor, 
rolls him over. Yes, desiccated husk. Now the captive's like, great, I get to eat you too. Yay. And we have a fight. He manages to feed on some of Cap. Like, okay. Kirby as an artist is most of the time amazing. But, like, you can tell in some panels where he's just rushing that he has... It almost looks like he has contempt for the human face. Yeah. Um, but, like, the other panels where we're doing, like, crazy fucking aliens and goddamn spaceships and shit, it's just... Yeah. I mean, that all, that is... That's as a insightful... Uh, that's as insightful as saying V and Watchmen are good. Anyway... Uh, yeah. Off day for uh, me. So the captive no, tries you're, you're, to eat. I mean, cap. it's true. It, it is true. It's just it's if you've if you are just joining us, like if you haven't listened to our earlier episodes, yeah, Kirby's awesome. Depending on what he's doing, yeah. In other situations, eh, not so much. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so the captive starts growing, um, and everything, but. Cap is able to hold him off. Um, we find out that the captive's plan at this point is to basically use the the human race as cattle, and uh, it you know grow in power until nothing can stop him. And blah blah blah. Um, I mean, he's even the magnoids come breeding in, breeding. Us. Do what? He's, yeah, he's even talking about breeding us. Yeah, like this is this is like some full blown like. I don't know, Vampire Society shit. Like, what it, What's what the name of that Ethan Hawke movie? Which one? The fucking... Where the vampires were the upper class. I don't know. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Um, the Magnoids... Do what? The Magnoids show up... At Did you say after midnight? No. Midnight. Okay, I was like... That's I was a like, thing too. yeah, <laughs> that's way different. Um, but yeah, so the magnoids come in and swarm all over him, and uh, and everything. Cap gets Cap just heads out like he's done with this shit. But uh, they they wrap him up in metal, and uh, the the uh, the Empire like brings up his ship. And uh, they fling him off into space. And you're just kind of like, okay, well, that doesn't really accomplish much. Well, it turns out they're slinging him into this star. And as he's burning up in the star, he's like, this isn't going to stop me. I'll be back. Ha 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 Blah, blah, blah. But then it turns out the star is going nova. So he is uh, ostensibly incinerated in the uh ensuing star death but at the end of it cap is like reporting to his superiors and they're just like yeah okay assuming this happened and we don't really have any proof that it did other than a few blast marks and what you said happened uh we're still just officially nothing happened at all so i do find it funny though that at the end of this he gets jim's body out of the ship takes it out, lays it out very respectfully, and then just fucking leaves it. <laughs> like, whatever. Um, hey, man, let nature. Back to nature. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Not not terrible, but, like, 
it's it's kind of an inauspicious uh, beginning to our return of Jack Kirby here. Um, so then we move on. Do what? Like one last thing before we run oh. away from this, because I wanted to talk about other ancillary Jack Kirby things. Mm-hmm. The front page for Marvel Unlimited, uh, the app, the iPad app, uh, mm-hmm. had the Eternals as its feature. Like, mm-hmm. click here to read more about Eternals. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, okay. And then, especially when I clicked it once, because I was like, oh cool jack kirby written and i read a couple of those issues uh from the first eternal or yeah eternals runs and i think if i'm predicting anything because that front page has been incredibly like prophet like prophetic about what happens because they are tying the comics to the movies so heavily Mm -hmm. i'm guessing there's going to be a lot of eternal stuff at the panel tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, moving on. All right. Cool. Uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I, at one point, like I, I got into a, I'm going to check out some Jack Kirby stuff thing. So I was like looking at fourth world and, uh, and uh, Eternals, and Eternals just—I did not care. Eternals, uh, I read, yeah, I think I read th- two or three issues, and I was just like, "What is going on?" And like, there's metaphor here and stuff, but I don't—I'm not getting it. I know you're mm-hmm. wanting me to get it, but I'm not getting it, and. It's not that fun either. I just want to see the Celestials just draw Celestials for me. Um, (laughs) And because Celestials are fucking awesome. Like, to look at. Yeah. Anything else is... I I don't know that I like it. Uh, Yeah. But, But like, Celestials are just fucking awesome to look at. They're fucking great. Yeah. But Uh, the rest of it, I'm just like... I, And it takes you three goddamn... No, yeah, it was three goddamn issues to get to the celestial coming out of the fucking ship. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Master of Kung Fu. So much Kung Fu this So much Master of Kung Fu. Yeah, it is a lot of it. And we actually, we have more next week. Uh, we are not done. So... How yeah. can there be more? Are we going to read all of it? Uh, yes. No. Uh, I mean, eventually, but... So, Master of Kung Fu, number 38, is written by Doug Mensch and Paul Galassi, uh, penciled by Bahal Galassi, inked by Dan Adkins and Jim Steranko, colored by Petra Goldberg, and lettered by Annette Kuecki. Um We begin with Shang-Chi... Being in Hong Kong and saving... Sorry, there are these fucking gnats. Um, saving this cat that's about to be ripped apart by some other alley cats. And so the next issue... This issue and next issue, he's got this Siamese just following him around. And uh, so he saves it from being mauled by a bunch of alley cats. And we get a brief flashback 
to where Sir Dennis is just like, hey, I have a mission for you. And Shang-Chi's like, fuck you. And uh, Sir Dennis is like, I don't know why you're being like this. And he's like, because I'm sick of all the lies. And he's like, yes, but well, first of all, I'm in intelligence. And second of all, I'm British. So all I know how to do is lie. Even this is a lie. I'm not actually British. And uh, all this shit. And uh, so, he, so eventually yeah, he, he tells agrees. Him, yeah, he tells him what that he has a mission for him. Shang-Chi said, go to hell. And then <clears throat> Leiko comes in and is like, okay, don't do it for the mission. Do it for the agent. You need to get yeah. there to save the the agent that's in the field. And he's like... yeah." It's uh, fine because yeah, hot. <laughs> <laughs> he he agrees because ostensibly there are these documents and whatever. Uh, but Shang Chi agrees to do it just because the their agent's cover is about to be blown. Uh, she has been surveilling this dude Shen Kuei, the cat, um, which I cat. did not realize. So and, do what? And it's just cat. Well, yeah, it's cat. But, but like, people refer to him as the cat. It's it's cat. But it's like, Shen Kuei. Shen Kuei cat. Um, cat. Because uh, what is that cable Deadpool that they have that... that that's he, that's what I was going to say. Was I, I was not aware that this character shows up in cable Deadpool. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, it's the funniest fucking thing because he keeps calling yeah. him the cat. And he's like, just cat. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> no, the cat. Oh my god, you're so badass! Because, like, he's a legend to Deadpool for some reason. And then Cat's like, Oh my god, are you the cat? And he's like, It's just Cat. They go, Oh, it's really funny. Yeah. But, uh, uh, it's, uh, so she she has been surveilling Shen Kuei. Uh, her cover is about to be blown, so they need to get her out and get these documents. So. Shang-Chi goes into this bar, the uh, the Jade Peacock, and Juliet is this woman singing at singing. And uh, the way the way it's done is really weird because the way the word balloons here are presented when she's singing, it looks like the word balloons they use when someone is singing very badly. Uh, and so I just imagine this woman being up in front of a group of people and just be like, she's a secret agent posing as a singer, <laughs> but she's just like up there, just like somewhere beyond the sea. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so she's singing and afterwards she comes over and sits down and she's like, what are you in Hong Kong for? And he's like, I'm looking for a cat. And it turns out she's the counter agent that he's there to help. Um, but she's like, you've got it all wrong. I have no interest in going back to London. And he's like, what? And she tells him this whole story about the bewitchers. And uh, basically what it amounts to is Asia is full of mystery and London isn't. And it's just kind of like, ooh, that's white as hell. Um, but anyway, so she's like, yeah, I have no interest in that. Um, they're interrupted uh, when this dude comes. No, she doesn't. Not until they go into the back. Never mind. Sorry. Yeah, she doesn't tell him yet. Um, 
they're interrupted by this dude who's like, she said she's not interested. And um, she certainly doesn't want to talk to a dude who betrays his own people. And this is the first time uh, in this that we have somebody accusing Shang-Chi of, uh, of being unfaithful to the Asian community or whatever. Yeah, he um, straight up called the, the, the asshole straight up calls him white and yeah. uh, fight Shang-Chi just drops him um, like it's nothing. The guy runs, and what's her name? Elizabeth? Juliet. Juliet. Uh, takes like, Shang-Chi. Shing sorry. We gotta go now, because that asshole's gonna bring gang assholes back. Alright, let's go into the yeah. back real quick. They go back. There's an illegal gambling den in the back of the bar, and then they pass through that into her dressing room. A dude there, like, sees her and goes running off. Um, once they're in her dressing room, she explains that she is in love with Shen Kui. Um, and, uh, Shang Chi's just like, oh, okay. Um, the man who ran out of the gambling parlor reports to Shen Kui and confirms his suspicion that she's a British agent. Um, we then switch back to Juliet and Shang Chi the douchebag that ran off comes back with a bunch of gang members and they're getting ready to rumble with Shang-Chi when suddenly uh, they are they are stopped when a dagger comes flying from up above and embeds itself in the floor. Shen Kuei uh, jumps in. Turns out uh, he's there. He he fights alongside Shang-Chi against the gang members. However, in the course of this, we discovered that this is not... The point of this is to get inside Shang-Chi's head by showing him how good a martial artist Shen Kuei is. Um, so once they're done, he then wheels on him and he's just like, So, <clears throat> so uh, British assassin, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill her. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, they try... There was a brief moment where Shang-Chi's like, she didn't give me anything on you. And he's just like, I don't think you heard me. I'm gonna kill you both. Uh, which brings us to Master of Kung Fu number 39, which is written by Doug Mensch, inked by Dan Adkins, and colored by George Russo's. Um, we... We skip back a little bit. They try to explain, no, no, she hasn't betrayed you, and he is just not having it. Um, so they are getting ready to fight, but then these criminals from the illegal gambling den in back uh, come out, and they're like, what is everybody doing? <laughs> and uh, um, Shen Kuei is just like, this has nothing to do with you. I have no interest in you. This is about them. Uh, Shang-Chi uses this opportunity to grab Juliet and jump out the window. Uh, to which the, the gang, gang members are like, why aren't you going after them? I mean, we, we've we already de decided, like, I don't, it's so weird. Like, they've decided that uh, Shen Kuei is cool. Like, oh, okay, you're not going to beat us up. You're really only going to kick his ass. Go for yeah. it, bud. And that's when they... Shang-Chi jumps out and he's like, hey, why aren't you going after him? And he's like, 
Oh, Shen Kuei's like, I, I know where they're going. I'll just, yeah. I'll meet them there. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, because the, gangster, the gangsters, I think, they bust out because they're just like, oh shit, we're being raided. Yeah. And then they see it's a it's a personal beef, and they're just like, okay, you do you, man, whatever. Um, also, yeah. it's sort of understood that Shen Kuei is into, like, he's a bit of a crime crime guy himself like yeah. not as gangstery not like gambling and drugs and prostitution but more like uh, espionage and sabotage and stuff like that like international yeah, he does affairs. the high level shit yeah um and like they know him and they're like oh cat sorry didn't realize you were gonna kick somebody's ass we'll we'll back off um, yeah I just um, just wanted to make sure you weren't like you know trying to get into the drugs and gambling game because that's kind of our thing and we really can't ha- we really can't handle more. It's already pretty saturated the market. Uh, <laughs> and if you came in, we plus just, you know if we just cat came in, yeah. yeah if cat came in, like he would be running things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Shang Chi and Juliet uh, get away. And uh, they stop to talk for a moment, and he's just like, you really need to come with me. He's going to kill you. And she's like, he won't kill me. He has a temper, but once he calms down, everything will be fine. Seriously, you don't know him. And she's like, but I think I'll stick with you until I figure out a way to make him see reason. Um, we get a We get a brief moment back in London... Where uh, Clive Reston breaks into Laco's house like a fucking stalker. Clive Reston, Uh, human trash heap. Yeah, fucking... Man, like, I didn't know him. I I didn't like him that much when when I was just annoyed by how many times he would reference his dad and his great uncle. Now he's, like, straight up... Which is also... He also does this week. It's also really annoying because he does that this week. But <laughs> the, wor- the worst, I think, is when he's like, as my great uncle would say, and then he gets interrupted by being shoved down some stairs, and he's like, oof, well, that's what, not what he would say, but you get the point. And it's just like, fuck you. And he's talking oh my about God. Like, his dad when he gets his ass kicked by, or, or, yeah, he gets his ass kicked by uh, some of the sh- Suli's, uh fan, yeah and he's like oh i better not tell my dad about this it's like dude shut up uh, and then he's still now he's which, being which is not to say james bond never gets his ass kicked let's james be bond real gets his like, ass kicked like most of the, the time. time yeah <laughs> like if uh if you went if you were james bond's kid and uh and you were just like, well, that I, I went on a mission and I did get kind of roughed up. He'd just be like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about this one time I went after Blofeld. Can I just say uh, there is a cartoon I used to watch that was called James Bond Jr. That was like a kid's super spy show. I remember this. I actually prefer that to Clive Reston. Like, that's how terrible Clive Reston is. The shitty 90s cartoon is preferable to this asshole. But anyway, he shows up and he's just like, man, you left me for, uh, what was it, Mario, and now you've left me for Shang-Chi. And it's just like, man, just go post about it online. Like, 
go like and just, he did Lego's just like I don't even know if she doesn't say it in as much but she basically all she wants to do is make Clive understand that they're done like yeah. whether or not she's with Shang-Chi is not actually part of her discussion because it's just yeah, not you not you and <laughs> yeah. also I get the distinct from the reading anyway I get the distinct impression that neither Shang-Chi nor Leiko know if they're in a relationship. They yeah. just like kiss once or twice and generally don't have the fucking time. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. And then like they embrace at the end and you're not really sure. I, I think you're not supposed to be really sure where they, where we're leaving it. Uh, because it looks like they could be making out, but I don't know. No. Uh, I don't want so to. anyway. Anyway. Well, no, absolutely not. But based on what she says when she sees Shang-Chi, I don't think they do. Um, I think it's more she gets upset <coughs> and he hugs her. Yeah. Um, but uh, so Shang-Chi and Juliet arrive at the harbor. She says the... The uh, documents are on this boat that's out in the harbor. And he's like, cool. So he swims out to them, um, or he swims out to the boat, gets on board, fights his way through these random dudes, and then gets the documents. But the guy he gets them from says that they were always the property of the Chinese government. And Shang Chi's just like, motherfucker. And, uh, yeah, because so Nayland Smith had told them they were that the documents were Smith's, Smith's documents, right? And he's like, You piece of shit. So he goes on the deck, rips up the documents, and throws them in the ocean and or throws them in the water. And like, there's a page here that's like Fu Manchu in Hong Kong, purposes unknown. And it's like, I sure, fine, yeah. He gets back to the back to the dock meets up with Juliet and then the cat arrives and he's got this weapon probably has an actual name but it's it's a staff with blades on the end of it well so I try I tried to find what actual kind because the blade looks like a Chinese weapon called a guandao okay but generally speaking the guandao only has one blade it's not double-sided uh, so I don't know. Like I've, I've looked to see, you know, what other weapon it could be. I, I don't know. So I'm going with Guan Dao. Okay. Um, uh, um, in the meantime, so he cuts, gives Shang-Chi a couple of warning slashes and like, please don't, don't, we, I'm going to kill you. Let's do this. Shang-Chi breaks out some nunchucks that he found on a weapon rack on the boat, I think. Um, yeah, there was, a, there was a rack of weapons on the boat. And he's like, I knew he was going to be here, yoink. so I stole some. Uh, so, yeah, he has, a, he has an nunchaku. They fight. Um, and the fight is pretty, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And it ranges between the bar, or the bar, the pier, and the beach. And it's it's really it's really interesting because like uh, at one point Shen Kuei f- 
is put through the pier and falls and like all this shit. And uh, it's it's a pretty cool fight. But then they're interrupted by Juliet, who then threatens to stab herself if they don't knock off this macho bullshit. And uh, she basically says, Shang-Chi, go back to London. I want to stay here. She's like, Shen Kuei, I did not betray you. Um, Yada, yada, yada. So she's like threatening to do it. Shen Kuei, like there's a moment where Shang, you know, as Shang-Chi is narrating, like he always does. um, He says that Shen Kuei like starts to move like he's going to go to her but then hesitates, so she shoves the dagger into her chest. Um, And uh, so Shen Kui runs to her, and he's like, please forgive me, I believe you, I love you, Um, and everything. And he takes the dagger out and, like, tosses it to... tosses it to Shang-Chi and says, you know, if you're going to kill me, assassin, now's your chance. And Shang-Chi just walks you know is it just stands there and like uh so shen kuei gathers up juliet and walks away with her um pet and then we're left pet what? peeve of the, these people would know better than to remove if you're trying to keep the person who's been stabbed or run through alive leave the thing in them until you get them to the hospital well, yeah, but also I guess it was in her shoulder. Yeah, like, Mr. Hart, whatever, and, or, or heart and her lungs. You'd still collapse yeah. a lung depending on where you hit. Anyway, yeah. doesn't matter. Whatever. We're not here for anatomy uh, so, class. Shang Chi boards a plane to London, and uh, he's got the cat like in his coat, and uh, the flight attendant is just like, "Oh, it's not a bomb." Well, still, you'll need to put that in a carrier. So, um, it's just. Real planes in the seventies, man. Yeah, like now it's just like you have to. Ugh, like this would never be allowed. You're ju- you're walking onto a plane with a cat. Like even if they're just like, oh, it's a cat, you still get tackled by an air marshal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the thing about it is, Quay shows up again. Of course, we've already covered this, but he shows up several times after this. Juliet does not. So <laughs> apparently that didn't work out well for her, uh, but whatever. Um, I hope at least the stabbing went well. Like she got better and then they were like, they just drifted apart. That's I it. I don't know. That's it. I, I I would be really kind of angry if I were if I had given up like everything to be with someone and then you just wound up drifting apart. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't force them to stay with me because of it, but like I'd still be like a little pissed off, like just like, you know, I had a pretty, I had a good life. I had a pretty, <laughs> like like tidy international espionage thing going on. And yeah. uh damn. Yeah. All right. I can't get hired here. <laughs> like, <laughs> what am I going to uh, do? Anyway. Work at the fucking Staples? No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's knock out Daredevil because this fucking issue. Whoa. This issue. Was, uh, that was way loud. I'm sorry. This issue is <laughs> weird and I don't know. So Daredevil number 128 is written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by Bob, 
Bob Brown, inked by Klaus Jansen and colored by Michelle Wolfman. I guess I missed the letterer. Uh, uh. There's there's Deathstalker, and then there's some random asshole <laughs> that's like walking on light. I I read something that I guess Marv Wolfman had plans for this because he just didn't know, like ostensibly apparently Wolfman was doing Daredevil and he didn't really know how to make Daredevil work. Um, you know, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. A, a writer comes into something and it's like, if they know, if they know what they want to do with the character, then it clicks and they go. If they don't, then it doesn't. And they're just kind of farting around. And that's kind of what Wolfman felt he was doing here. So he sets up this dude who's like, who goes up. He stands on the on top of this rocket or rocket thing. It's a and, model uh, of. It's at the World's Fair, uh, the Meadow Park for the '64 yeah. World's Fair, and he, this person goes up the up the side of the model rocket and then proceeds to make platforms of hard light that they walk up like steps. Yeah. Into the stars. Unconnected to this. Yeah. like, And that's the thing is like, it's so bonkers because it has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile... Also, Deathstalker is stealing some mirrors and shit, uh, which he then builds into a gun. Uh, because the mirrors were forged by ancient Atlantean wizards. And this whole thing is just fucking bananas. Um, the things I will say. Number one, I really like Bob Brown's pencils. Um, his art is really, it's really clean, really tight, and just looks really good. Um, I mean, this is the best the Deathstalkers ever looked. Um, because the, like... The Death best Stalker. the book has looked in a long goddamn time. Okay, fair. But <laughs> I was, was going to say, I didn't like this one so much just because the the Moonwalker, or whatever the hell we're calling him, is so bananas. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the pencils aren't really good. I'm looking when Matt and Heather go and meet Foggy about... Blake Tower yeah. standing him up. Heather shows up. Okay, so yeah, Matt's okay at the beginning of the book. Like the whole rundown, we've now done all of it. <coughs> beginning of the book, Matt is throwing the Daredevil suit around his apartment, but being all pissy because he doesn't want to be Daredevil anymore. Which is really now that you point it out, it's really just Marvel Wolfman doesn't want to write Daredevil anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, he gets a call from Foggy that's like, "Hey, I need you to come to, I need you to come downtown. Blake Tower set up a meeting. He wants to talk, and I want to, I really want to pin it to him this time." And I'm like, "Foggy, Blake Tower is living rent free in your head, my dude." Uh, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Matt goes downstairs, and Heather. What's her face gets out of the gets out of a taxi as soon as he hits the street, and she's like, "Matt, ah, uh, I, hi, I was gonna come and make out with you," and he was like, "Okay, that sounds fine, but not right now." And I'm like, "What? No, yeah. that doesn't sound fine at all. You, 
two should not be enabling each other. You are a disaster. Uh, well, he initially hot, he's hot he's, mess. He's initially just like, I don't have time for your bullshit. And she's just like, oh, man, what's going on? And he's just like, I've just got a lot. And she's like, well, you know, I have two shoulders. And uh, I have two shoulders, and one of them's for you. And he's like... So she rides with him, two foggies. Oh, and, and he also, have... he hails the cab without being able to see it. She, yeah, without, and like, she's like, what? I don't know if that's uh, a thing. I hope it is. Is she going to die? It seems, like, it seems like a... Well, no, she doesn't die until way later. Okay. Uh... She, because she has to, she has to fuck Tony. Um, So the thing about it is the, uh, the, yeah, it seems like the kind of thing that they're putting in there that they're going to, she's going to notice shit, but I don't know. We'll see. Daredevil is so fucking all over the place that I really don't know (laughs) if there's going to be any payoff to anything. Um but so they go and see Foggy, and he's just like, yeah, well, he canceled. And it's just like, wow, what a waste of time. <laughs> yeah, this um, sucks. I had to, I, I paid a cabbie to come down here. <sighs> Fine. And then a patrolman comes in and is like, hey, we got Deathstalker shit. And <laughs> Matt's like, all right, Heather, I gotta go. And she's like. Which, is, that a, is that how a DA were I genuinely don't know. Like, I thought they called the DA, like, once a crime had been reported and, no, like, like, it was being investigated. Are we. Uh, no, are we not, bringing charges against a subject? Uh, a suspect? Right. That's not, when you not do. Like, that's when you do right, DA like, stuff. The DA may get involved if it's like, you need to find somebody because, like, the mayor is breathing down my neck and blah. But, like,. I didn't think they had, like, a teletype machine where it's just, like, they're aware of crime as it's happening. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Matt, I love the way that he leaves uh, Heather, though, which is just, like, I, we do need to talk, little lady. And it's, like, what are you? But he's, like, not right now. I need some alone time. Yeah. Right after this crime has been com- uh, committed and reported to me. That's, that's coincidental a totally has, normal thing that has that, nothing uh, to do with anything he goes to world's fair and i i like to think that foggy who is like constantly just clueless uh totally buys that like <laughs> like even if heather is just like huh that's a weird time to you know to do that foggy's just like oh he does that Crime really bothers him, so he has to he has to do a lot of thinking whenever he finds out one has happened. <laughs> and like, <laughs> I just yeah, it's like mm. Mr. Da supposed to be putting evidence together, and this <laughs> just no chance. Yeah, no. <laughs> he goes to the World's Fair Park for some reason. It's a, it's a good thing someone is running against him because <laughs> Foggy is woefully unprepared for all of this. Like, yeah. I don't remember uh, so. why he decides to go to the World's Fair, uh, but he does, or the Meadow Park, and he sees the guy making the light, the light steps, and automatically assumes that that's his dude. Meanwhile, Deathstalker, also at the World's Fair Meadow Park for some reason, is in the science pavilion stealing a microscope, stealing a, I guess, an extra special microscope. So everybody's here by accident. Nobody mm-hmm. is here on purpose. Right. And 
Deathstalker and Daredevil... Deathstalker starts shooting laser beams from his weird mirror gun at Daredevil. Fight, 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 fight. Uh, Deathstalker loses. Yeah. It's not even that great a fight. We still don't know why... Oh, no. Fight, 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 fight. Daredevil manages to push Deathstalker into the guy making the light step, or the person making the light steps, and uh, gets zapped out of existence. And Daredevil's like, well, guess I don't need to know about this light step person. Bye. Yeah. And just leaves. Uh, yeah. This was not a good Whatever. Issue. Uh, no, it was not. Uh, Frank Miller really cannot come along soon, uh, soon enough. Which is just <laughs> always, anytime I think that, I'm like, what is wrong with me? No, Knowing what I, I mean, know now, it's just yeah, like... No, it is. It, but, like... Uh, fuck, man. This fucking book. He's consistently right. the worst. Anyway, okay. It is. It's... Although it is, I, the second one's the second one this week's not so bad. It's not so bad, and I and like I said, Bob Brown's Bob Brown does well on the art. I really, I really like his art in this book. Um, but other than that, like this entire thing is just fucking awful. Anyway, we'll be back in a minute. Yay! So yeah, <clears throat> so going into this article, I'm thinking, oh, you know, like we're going to talk about his invisibility, his venom blast, blah, 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 blah. <coughs> the number one, the number one thing Miles Morales can do that Peter Parker can't is hug his parents. Oh, and it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Damn. That's not... Yeah. That's not called for. Jesus. Not at all. Like, what the fuck is the matter with you? That's... <laughs> I mean, even as a funny, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah. It is, uh... Jesus. Just... What the fuck, Screen Rant? That's not like, fair. I mean, so my my first question, of course, has to be, like, uh, is the writer bullying Peter Parker? Was, the, was this written by fucking Flash Thompson or right. something? Um, but also, like... <clears throat> excuse me. But also, like... It's got to suck being an orphan and reading that, right? Oh, like, yeah, that's a good point. You know, you're just cruising along, minding your own business, and you're just like, uh, oh, I'll read this fun little fun little Spider-Man article to take my mind off my dead parents. <laughs> and then they're just like, ha, ha, Peter Parker's an orphan. And you're just kind of like, huh. Well, that's... Guess I'm not reading Screen Rant anymore. 
I mean, I don't know why you put it like that. Why is that the joke, though? That's not a joke. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. Um, we're back. And uh, we pick up with some more Master of Kung Fu. Um, Master of Kung Fu is written by Paul M- or Doug Mensch. Written by Doug Mensch, penciled by Paul Galassi, inked by Paul Galassi, colored by Petra Goldberg, and lettered by Annette Kowecki. Um, the first thing that it, we, we, it's kind of interspersed here, but first thing Shang Chi does when he gets back to London is tell him, I'm straight up done with you. Bye. But then interspersed with this, in order to Shang, turn Shang Chi into a liar, uh, Black Jack Tar pays him a visit and says, "Somebody's killing our agents." And uh, Shang Chi's just like, "I have nothing. I will have nothing more to do with this crap." And uh, Black Jack Tar, who is surprisingly emotionally manipulative here, is just like, "Okay, okay. Well, you know." People are going to die, but I guess if you can be at peace with that. And so, Shang-Chi goes with him. And he's just like, ha, I knew you would. Um, and uh, so... Yeah, he's... Got it. Blackjack. He's such a problem for me. Yeah. <laughs> he is. Uh, there. Yeah. Uh, so, they had... To Lakos. They head to Lakos place and they get there and the door is open and she like the door is slightly ajar and she is being held by some thugs and this dude is demanding to know how close they are to uncovering the mole in their agency. Um, <clears throat> well, with their arrival, she's then able to get free and the three of them just wreck these dudes. Um the couple that can run and uh so shang chi and Lako talk and uh she explains they attacked her because she's getting ready to meet up with this person called agent d who is an intelligence operative that's under a heavy cover with the enemy that's all she says is the enemy um and has been feeding them information for years um, and now they're extracting her. So, or extracting them, I should yeah. say. Um, and also it's super dangerous and she has a 99% chance of death. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like, yeah, it's basically a suicide mission. Um, and, uh, Which, oh, by the way, find... Clive came, what? What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to talk about the Clive and the love. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. By the way, Clive came by and we kind of kissed in the shadows. Anyway, bye. No, uh, when you find out what, like, who Agent D is and, like, what it would entail to get that person out, it's like, yeah, that is a 99% chance of death. Yeah. But Yeah, totally. And also, like, you're a, an idiot. A lot you of should these have things... seen the double cross coming. Well, yeah. Uh, I... That is one of those things, like, a lot of times when, you, when you're when you reading things like this, where they're just like, it's a suicide mission! And you're just like, no, it's, no, no. this is, this is nothing. But this, yeah, oh yeah, it's totally a suicide mission. Uh, and so, 
but she tells him she tells him that Clive came by, but uh, that she told Clive that she, that uh, that they're in love, and Shang Chi is just like, um, but I have nev- I, I've I never, never said, said that, that. <laughs> and she's just like, oh, uh, well I have to go, <laughs> like. Everybody's just wandering around assuming emotions onto Shang-Chi. Like, no one stops to ask him. Even he doesn't have enough time to really ask himself. Like, he does occasionally stop and be like, am I? And a couple issues before, I think last week, he was like, are we in love? I don't know. Do I even have feelings for her? Yes. Is it just because she's hot? Yeah, kind of, and, and like so he like, does. He, I know he asked, he asked himself about is it just because of her physical appearance, and he's like, I kind of feel like some of most of it's that at the moment. Like that's as far as he's gotten, and no one yeah. has asked him. They just well, and feel the chemistry also, that I don't, and just assume they're gonna bone. And the the thing that bugs me is everybody is operating under the assumption that Shang Chi is far more worldly than he is. Right, and that's and the he other thing. Is I, not. I was just thinking this is this is, the, this is a man with the emotional maturity of a f- six year old, like yeah, seven. He's, he's, he's been living been... in a he's been living in a compound his entire life, and I mean he's well read and like you know everything but he's this is like the first time he ventured out into the world was to kill a dude and suddenly it's just like hmm, maybe i have it all wrong and everybody's just operating under the assumption that he's just a dude who's lived a normal life and that is not the case this is this is this dude is fucked up yeah like i mean he was he's been bred since he he and the cat had a dick measuring contest uh, last issue about uh, since three years old. Yeah, because cat was like, I've I've been training since I was four, and Shake Chi was like, I've been training since I was three, and then they went at it. Uh, yeah. But but anyway, he's been training since he was three years old to essentially be this living. He's not the living weapon, but he is. Like he's an extension of his father's will. Exactly. That is the sum total. Like everything that he's been taught has been in pursuit of making him into the perfect tool for his father, because his father, like his father is planning to live forever. Let's be honest. This is, there is no, Oh, well I'm grooming my son to take my place. There is no like, no, he is he is only ever being trained to follow what his father tells him. And so the minute the minute he breaks out of this, which is which is good, don't get me wrong, but everybody's just kind of like, okay, you are a fully formed human being and it's just kind of like, no, <laughs> like not at all actually. Like this guy is yeah. missing a lot of parts. Uh Yeah. Based, yeah, that's really what it is. Is this guy is missing a lot of the thing you were taking for granted? A lot of human parts, human psyche parts that are not there. Uh, right. Anyway, so uh, Leiko takes off, and then Tar returns, and he's just like, "Hey, where's Leiko?" And she, Shang Chi's, just like, "She left." 
uh, but she said we should re-enlist Lerner. And uh, so it turns out this guy, Lerner... <clears throat> Shang-Chi also... Uh, this is the first time I think he corrects Tar. Yeah. And says, this is, this is my great. name is Shang-Chi. And not that other thing that Tar keeps calling him. Uh, yeah. And... Tar's like, whatever, okay, let's go. And, and calls, calls him again. That. Yeah, and then they leave. Yeah. Oh, you lovable racist rascal. Uh, so he, they go and find this guy, Larner, who it turns out is a British intelligence operative who was bounced out of the agency because... His, the woman he loved went on a mission with Laco. The woman he loved died, and he blamed Laco for that. So then, when he went on a mission with Laco, died. I don't think uh, she's dead. He's dead now, which is good, isn't he? Anyway, sorry, don't I interrupted you. Learner's not. Who are we talking about? Oh, I read an issue ahead. Oops. All right. Spoilers. <clears throat> so, well, great. Now I don't need to read that one, I guess. Uh, so he blames Laco for the death of his his love. Uh, then they went on a mission together. Laco was shot and fell off the boat, and he completed the mission. Uh, but afterward, the question became, well, did he leave her to die because <clears throat> of what happened, or was it really the best thing for the mission? And so he was ousted and since then has been drinking a lot. They find him and R Clive Reston is there drinking too. Um, he just, Reston just emerges from a, like a, a pile. <laughs> it was like a pile of, a pile of lager cans. And he just like, is like, you know, you really shouldn't be so tough on him. And they're just like, holy, holy shit. Fuck. Where did you come from? Damn, you're yeah. both. Loaded as hell. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the, um, they are interrupted when they're, when some dudes shoot up the place and then lob in a grenade. The gunmen come in to make sure they've finished the job when Shang-Chi and the rest burst out of some rubble and just fucking ruin them. Um, <clears throat> And on one of the dead men, they find a card for a company called Oriental Expeditors Limited. And Blackjack Tar is just like, well, I guess we should go check this out then. And Larner's just like, are you fucking high? Like, this this could not be more of a trap. Yeah. the the They could not have made this any more obvious, un Unless even if they'd, like, printed on the card... This is a trap. <laughs> yeah. Oriental <laughs> Expeditors uh, Limited, <laughs> quote, a trap. <laughs> <laughs> the best traps money can buy. Since, 19, uh, this is a, since 1938. Uh, this, is, this is a trap LLC. Yes. Uh, you know, and Tar's like, well, it's all we've got to go on. So I guess we might as well bumble into a trap. <laughs> Um, and then we kind of leave things 
for an issue. Um, because after Tar takes off, so Master of Kung Fu number 41 is penciled by Sal Bashima and Mike Esposito and inked by Mike Esposito, lettered by John Costanza. Um, Tar takes off to go and look into this. Uh, Reston and Larner, I guess, take off to just go drink some more. And uh, so Shang-Chi just like sits get, down in the rubble. They go to get some tea and sober up. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, he sits down in the rubble and just has a think for a little bit for no reason whatsoever. Um, Something about... Which... So, this this whole thing, I think, is meant to be set up. It it's it's hard to say because this this comes across as a bit of filler, but by the same token, the point of the story also kind of has bearing on what happens so i'm not sure whether that's intentional or not but what winds up happening is he thinks back to when he was uh training several years before and he and midnight who yeah showed up forever ago um which i was looking at it because i was like oh yeah midnight i don't okay. remember him what was that uh in? It was in uh, Marvel Special Edition number 16. Jesus. Like, it was one of the first couple issues with Shang-Chi. And uh, the thing about it was that... So, this guy... I was looking him up because I'm like, who? <laughs> and, uh, and uh, he apparently at some point dies but then his brain is put into a Cree body by a Cree scientist and he becomes like this hardcore dude who goes up against like the silver surfer and it's just like all right whatever but uh so this whole thing that sounds it's a flashback we read that This whole thing is a flashback to when they were training together. Shang-Chi gets his ass kicked in sparring uh, with Midnight. And then, like, as they're standing around... Excuse me. As they're standing around talking afterward, this dude, Quan Shu, who is responsible for the food that is served to Fu Manchu, starts walking up, at which point Midnight is just like, I'm gonna go and study. So... He ostensibly beats it. Uh, so then Quan Shu comes up and he's just like, some some liquor's gone missing. And uh, he accuses Midnight of it. And so the whole thing becomes, Shang-Chi is sent to collect Midnight and bring him in front of Fu Manchu. Um... At which point, Midnight is just like, fuck you, I didn't do it. And uh, so, Shang-Chi agrees to stake out where all the wine is kept and see who actually did it. So they do, and it turns out that it was actually Quan Shu. 
Um, and when they try to tell when they try to tell their trainer um, he's like shut the fuck up no he didn't um, and it's just kind of it's just kind of left there like it's just like eh, whatever you never know who's actually going to wind up being the one who turns against you and it's just like alright um, I but yeah Okay, so my take is that it was nice to have some goddamn kung fu in my kung fu book. Uh, yeah, that was the main thing. Was yeah, uh, the reason why I was okay with this issue is because it felt it gave Shang Chi a lot more personality than he's been able to acquire over the last couple of issues or few, and. They actually got to do some kung fu stuff instead of the goddamn spycraft that is getting a little old. I agree. I agree. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's necessary. I'm just saying its placement is really odd because it's sure. literally like they uh, they just nearly got blown up, and now Shang Chi is literally going to sit down in the middle of a bombed out flat. Yeah. And have a think about something that is in no way related, seemingly, to anything that's going on. That's all I'm saying. Like, I, I the story is fine. I also like um, Midnight as a character, I think. Because he feels like he's got a little more round to him. Yeah. Um, and that's ultimately why he loses as well. Is because mm-hmm. Shang-Chi is better at this than him. Specifically because he has less... He has more kung fu. He's better at that because he has less personality than Midnight. Midnight does have like actual like I he doesn't know that he trusts their father. Like yeah. He 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 is not an unthinking robot when it comes to this stuff and that's part of the reason why like he, when they get to a standstill the first time, he's like come on man, let me just let's just think about this i swear to god it's not me let's go do stakeout and he's like okay uh fine i i don't know i liked midnight i thought it was Uh, and we also there's also a bit where they crash through this door into this room that shang chi's never been in and there's some dark shit going on there like you can tell yeah and shang chi's just like what's that room for and uh midnight's like I don't know. It doesn't matter. And uh, Shang-Chi's like, but no, like there was some weird shit going on in there. And uh, Midnight's like everything that you're everything that father does, he does for the good of the world. The and Shang-Chi's like, yeah, the salvation of a decadent world. How then can this workroom be? Fi- can his workroom be filled with evil? And he's like, right. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I, I guess. And even yeah, I, and I kind of feel like that's midnight asking probing questions. Like he's not disagreeing; he's saying exactly what he's supposed to say. Right. But he's very much like giving Shang Chi something to think on. Um, and I and I like this simply because then it actually works toward making Shang Chi's flip 
in his very first appearance make a hell of a lot more sense than just like he goes out <laughs> because it is it's one of those things he goes out into the world for the first time to kill a man and then like somebody's just like no you've got it all wrong and shang chi's just like oh my god i have it all wrong <laughs> like <laughs> Uh, I killed anyway. this man, and I have it all wrong. Uh, yeah, but like to act to to do a little breadcrumb kind of work before that is nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I I think I liked this this issue maybe more than I should have because it is very fillery and it is very what is this doing here? But at the same <laughs> yeah. time, I was like, I'm okay with it. Uh, yeah all right i mean like i said the story itself is fine it's just it's placement and shang chi's literal decision to flop down in what i can only assume is still a burning (laughs) building there's parts on fire (laughs) whatever Anyway, Daredevil number 129 is written by Marv Wolfman, penciled by Bob Brown, inked by Klaus Janssen, colored by Michelle Wolfman, and lettered by Joe Rosen. Uh, We start with Matt and Foggy squaring off in court uh, about the the man bull. And the contention, as we find out, the contention is this. Um... Manbull tried to rob a diamond distributor something. Yeah. Like a diamond place. <laughs> you know, where it's the like it's are. like a superpowered reservoir ducks. He tried to rob the place. Um his bursting in and his appearance caused the man to have a heart attack. He survived and then later died of a heart attack and the thing about the thing about it is like at no point like so that's Foggy's case is he murdered this dude in a premeditated manner because the crime was premeditated ergo blit and Matt's just like that's really dumb there was no intention of killing anybody and he didn't even die until six months later right like you can charge him for the crime charge him for manslaughter but premeditated murder is a big leap and it really is well and he's and, not even uh, asking for like he's asking for second degree manslaughter yeah or he's not even asking he's all he's like allowing for second degree manslaughter like yeah somebody died incidentally to a crime i committed after the fact maybe sure but like first degree murder no not at all yeah and yeah they nope they go ahead and the jury goes ahead and convicts manbull of of first degree murder uh which totally which yeah it's a bad bullshit that's a bad jury (laughs) unanimous as well uh yeah and uh so manbull is just one of them would have just been like no i'm not doing that even though he's fucking manbull and like look at him this thing needs put down um no uh anyway manbull so manbull of course loses it and crazy. breaks free yeah um and uh yeah so there's all that then we have foggy who has a brief meeting with blake tower 
and just like falls in love with him. Like it's it's really funny because he gets there and Foggy's just like, oh, this fucking guy, all these ads that are shitting on me. And then the guy comes in and he's just like, Foggy, hey, how's it going? Listen, I know, uh, you know, there have been all these ads. I have to assure you that's not the kind of campaign I run. I have nothing to do with them. Anyway, I've got to get going. I've got another thing to get to. But hey, we need to get together. All right. Come on out to the house. And uh, Foggy's just like, bye. Like, just fucking and god again to your point that the pencils are really good foggy's face in this last panel where he's like i think i like him is yeah very like dumbstruck and he just looks like a drooling idiot uh i will say it's after this i wish that foggy had wound up becoming an agent of shield because i would have loved to have seen how badly he fucked that up (laughs) When, like, literally anyone can just come in and be, like, smooth-talky, and he's just like, yeah, government secrets, sure. Sure. (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, Heather is still in Matt's house, and and the TV's on, and they're talking about, Matt's talking about how he, he hopes Foggy's not mad at him for taking the pro bono Manbull and Heather's like why would he be mad and also look at the TV oh my god the Kennedy brothers are alive what which (laughs) look I here's the thing I recognize that it would not be a long time until Photoshop was invented um but doctoring photos has existed for a very long time like it's a photograph it's not yeah it's not like it's not like anybody has seen them out and about or anything like that like there's not a lot of eyewitness accounts as such it's just like hey the kennedys are alive because there's a photograph from germany and it's just like yeah but like why and uh, also, who would buy that? Yeah. Uh, but Especially whatever, everybody's just like, the Kennedys are alive. Oh, my God. Um, but this is dropped because the man bull is uh, starting shit. And uh, so the matador, the man bull is like trying to figure out where he's going to go. He's approached by the matador. Um Who's just like, which, fuck the Matador. I hate the Matador anyway. But he approaches Manbull and is just like, hey, you do this for me and I can get you out of the country. And Manbull's just like, duh, yeah, okay. So he is sent to steal the Golden Bull of China. And he starts like walking away with it, but then like Daredevil shows up and he winds up throwing the bull at Daredevil. It breaks whatever um but the man bull winds up going back and just like murdering the matador (laughs) i don't know whatever there's also this random fucking sniper at rockefeller center who's just like standing on the ice with a rifle shooting fellow skaters it's yeah 
this this whole you know i thought i liked this book <laughs> never mind <laughs> this whole thing yeah marv wolfman clearly has no idea what he wants to do because this seriously is just like and then a thing happens why does that thing happen no one knows but it happens and then we move on as though it didn't again it feels um, like we're trying to like do moving pieces into place but no nope yeah after last issue i just don't trust this the only thing or not the only thing the, one of the things i definitely did like was matador or not matador Manbull basically being <coughs> like wait a minute everybody's trying to control me this is bullshit i just want to go like that i liked yeah so uh master of kung fu number 42 is, uh is inked by tom sutton colored by don warfield and letters lettered by denise wall i do want to say right off the bat this is something that i've been really kind of growing to realize um so i like shang chi as a character mm-hmm. i love paul galassi uh, because he is out here, like, more than anyone else we see on a week-to-week basis here. He is out here playing with page design in a way that no one else is. Um, this issue opens, and it's got um, Shockwave standing over Shang-Chi. Uh, to their left are clocks with skulls and everything else. In the issue where Juliet and Shang-Chi were talking in a uh, in the bar there the panels were like pieces of glass on a on a beaded curtain and like just I mean the stuff Paul Galassi is doing is fucking phenomenal I absolutely love it um so we kind of we kind of this entire thing is interspersed with um Shang-Chi fighting Shockwave. Yeah, and getting his ass kicked. Yeah, getting um, just put down, like beat up. Yeah. In addition, um <clears throat> Shang-Chi comes in to see Sir Dennis and Sir Dennis, you know, kind of um, it's kind of, it's kind of a coming to Jesus talk, um, because he's just like, look, you've refused two missions and now, um, and everything and all right, but, um, you know, by the same token, you've now agreed to help out with this situation with our agents being murdered. I can't have one of my agents being so unreliable and Shang-Chi is just like I'm not one of your agents I I've agreed to help you up until now but I'm tired of your bullshit and I'm not going to do it anymore um so then they they argue um unbeknownst to either of them at the time um there is a bomb under Sir Dennis's desk and Shang-Chi at one point notices a ticking 
And he's like, what is that? And uh, Sir Dennis just says, well, it's obviously my desk clock. Anyway, back to the point at hand. And uh, Shang-Chi's just like, no, this is bullshit. I'm done later. Um, Sir Dennis gets up to go after him, at which point... And he gets into the uh, hallway. Yeah, he walks out of the room, and the room blows up. And he's just like, fuck, uh... That's not good. And um, so it is, uh, you know, Sir Dennis tries to pull pull out a, like, if this doesn't demonstrate the kind of danger we're in. And Shane, she's just like, spare me. Yeah. Uh, but as they're standing there talking, dude walks up and uh, Sir Dennis is given a um letter saying mole agent d has been pulled from hole need caretaker urgent gardener um on the way on his way out shang chi is stopped by reston and larner who um proceed to tell him that there is every likelihood that there's this dude shockwave involved um shockwave was a guy who had been an agent of the agency he got injured and replaced like part of his face with a piece of metal um and he wound up uh being declared mentally unfit to serve which uh caused him to kind of go off the deep end he wound up working at a circus uh, where he developed this shockwave persona. Uh, but now they're thinking he's maybe back in the game. And he's like, why do I need to know this? Um, and uh, he says, uh, or Larner says that he was approached by shockwave after his dismissal, um, who made him an offer and he turned it down. But that at the time, Shockwave was working for a firm called Oriental Expeditors Limited. Um, and so, just thought you might need to know, blah, blah, blah. Chi, or Shang-Chi asks, why haven't you told Smith? <coughs> and they're like, well, we can't tell you that. You just need to trust us that there's a reason. We find out the reason later. Yeah. Um, but, and whatever. It's super um, lame. Uh, it really is. There's not a, it's spies. not a... It's not a good reason not to tell. Yeah, someone. no, that's like, what I mean. Is it's it the reason they decide not to tell him is a lame reason not to tell him. Right? Yeah, like yeah. if it if it were if it's a normal person, I could maybe understand it. But this is a dude who deals in spycraft. Like I think he can handle a little bad news. Um, but whatever. So. Um, Finally, Shang-Chi arrives at Blackjack Taro's office and they go to Oriental Expeditors Limited. Uh, right, be right before they get in there, everybody twigs to the fact that they're there and they go and hide uh, and then get the drop on them. But Shang-Chi and Tar fight these various dudes uh, until eventually uh, Shang-Chi, after they've dealt with all the people... Shang-Chi hears voices 
in the next room. So he climbs up into the air ducts and drops down into the room. And that's when he's attacked by Shockwave. Uh, and so over the course of this issue, we've, we see him just wrecking Shang-Chi. And the reason is because his suit um, is electrically charged. So his arms, his legs, everything can deliver a shock a shock every time he touches someone or every time he's touched. So anytime Shang-Chi blocks one of his blows, he gets electrocuted. Every yeah. time he tries to punch Shockwave, he gets electrocuted and stuff like that. So uh, Tar finally makes his way in and shoots at Shockwave, which causes Shockwave to take off. Um, and Shang-Chi comes out as Sir Dennis and Clive Reston arrive um, and collapses um, which so Tar has this moment where he's just like um, you know I don't like this I didn't think Shang-Chi could even be hurt um, yeah. which <laughs> okay he's Asian not like he's not whatever you fucking racist uh but anyway so then the issue ends with this brief vignette in which a bobby is poking around at the um just in case you've forgotten we're in london it's a full-blown bobby uh is looking around and here's something sees what blackjack tar's office door is slightly ajar he goes looking inside and finds dr petrie the cop is then electrocuted by shockwave and we find out Dr. Petrie is the mole and uh, he's planting a bomb under Blackjack Tar's desk. This is why... saying the master will be proud of us. Yeah. Um, this is why I say that I don't know if the, if the moral of the issue with Midnight is supposed to tie into all of this. Um... I, I will say its placement is interesting given that, but it does. So it's hard to tell if it's a, if it's a filler issue that they put a, that they slapped a, um, that they slapped a tie in intro onto, or whether it's something that they were just like, no, this has to be told here so we can get the cross the whole, you never know who it could be. I, I really don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so <sighs> Master of Kung Fu uh, number 43, um, we, so we start with, um, with Dennis Nayland Smith on the phone with Petrie and he's like, Hey, where have you been? Like. I haven't seen you for days and Petrie's just like, Oh, well, I've, I've been to the doctor, you know, my kidneys are acting up again. And, uh, Sir Dennis is just like, okay, well, I guess get better. Um, and this is interspersed of course, with, uh, with Petrie planting the bomb and them carrying out the, uh, the night watchman and all of this shit. Uh, so it's at this point that everybody comes in for a briefing um, Shang-Chi, it turns out, has been released from the hospital. 
um, and is now on his way to Switzerland to deal with um, the Agent D situation. Um, and uh, there are there are a lot of <laughs> there are all these uh, there are all these egos at play in this briefing because um Reston is pissed because Lako's involved and so is Shang-Chi so he's all butthurt Larner is pissed at Sir Dennis because he had fired him and, and now suddenly wants him back he's still holding that revenge in his heart right uh so yeah and then like Blackjack Tar, who is just swinging from Sir Dennis's nuts so hard, uh, is just like, now you both knock it off. Uh, Sir Dennis is blah. Who cares? Blackjack Tar, it's like, I could almost like him if he weren't such a brown noser and a racist piece of shit. Like, he has moments where you're like, okay, you're not terrible. But then he, yeah. And I, I like that uh, Larner keeps calling him out for smelling Sir Dennis's chair, his seat, <laughs> um, his seat. Yes, um, but yeah. Uh, so we get a we get a brief vignette of Laco and whoever Agent D is on the run from assassins. Um, eventually, um, excuse me. Uh, Sir Dennis, Sir Dennis reads them the riot act for keeping him in the dark um, for keeping him in the dark about Shockwave's involvement, involvement and it's here where we find out why they didn't want to tell Sir Dennis and it's because Shockwave is his fucking nephew um, it's but still it's like, so stupid though like, yeah, he can handle the, this. Yeah, it's like it seems like if someone is strong enough, strong enough that they think they can handle bringing their nephew into the business and can handle having to kick out their nephew because he's mentally unfit after having been injured, I think they can handle. Oh, it turns out your nephew's gone bad. Like, whatever, fuck it. But they were trying to spare him that. Uh, we do find out in the course of this that Larner's whole deal is demolitions. Um, right as Shang-Chi's flat gets blown up by a grenade. Uh, but his cat survives. His cat His cat is okay. Um, at least as far as I can tell. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, the uh, The upshot of all of this is that... Reston and Blackjack Tar are to go uh, to provide backup to Shang-Chi in Switzerland while Larner is to uh, um, study the bomb and see if he can figure out who sent it. Um, we then switch to Switzerland where Shang-Chi arrives at the chalet of this dude Griswold um, who it turns out is... Uh, is the leader of British operations in the area. Um, and he's generally being, I don't know. 
he's 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 kind of weird from the minute you meet him uh but yeah so um so he brings shang chi inside and they're going to get ready to talk um Lerner is, uh, or I'm sorry, Reston is uh, with Blackjack Tar as they're getting ready to leave. Tar goes to grab a gun off his desk and gets caught in the explosion of the bomb that had been planted there. And that's where we kind of leave them for the moment. Uh, Griswold and Shang-Chi are sitting down to dinner when suddenly Griswold is shot. Um, And what we wind up with is these guys who are led by shockwave attack shockwave has Laco and agent D and is forcing them to watch. Um, meanwhile, the various bodyguards that Griswold had are firing Shang Chi runs off and, um, circles around shockwave. hears something, um, and starts blasting. <laughs> the dipshit set him set himself up in the in a goddamn maze, a hedge maze, uh, which is the shittiest place to to do this because it's just like, yeah, if somebody sneaks up on you, there's plenty of places for them to hide. You fucking moron. Um, but so he starts just blasting the hedges, and Shang Chi dodges and everything. They wind up having another fight but this time shang chi uh focuses on uh attacking his midsection uh which is not electrified yeah Um, apparently only his hands feet and head arms feet and head are the the electrified bits right so he focuses on that and just ignores the pain whenever else but in doing so, he manages to knock Shockwave into a pool, uh, which shorts him shorts him out. Um, after he's defeated him, Griswold comes walking up, and uh, Shang-Chi is surprised to see him alive, but he's just like, I was wearing a bulletproof vest because I'm not a goddamn moron. And uh, Laco shows up. Uh, with well, yeah, the hooded figures that Sh- uh, Shockwave had with him, like hostage-ish, uh, turn out to be Luke, uh, Laco, and the Agent D, who is uh, Ducharme. Yeah, which is a one of the uh, Fu Manchu wives groupies. Yeah. The ladies hanging um, out in the complex. Yeah. Uh and the one thing I do kind of so she sees Shang-Chi and she's like, "Thank you, Shang-Chi." And then she kind of stops and she's like, "For being well." And uh he's just so he their little reunion, he takes her in his arms and he says, "I have given much thought to love." And I'm glad you are well, Laco. We will talk on this later. Yeah. Um, so he kind of makes up to her his shittiness from before. Uh, but 
I'm I'm not saying that I'm, not, he, I'm not saying he's wrong to have been shit. Like I don't she think was, he was per- shitty. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying his his perceived shittiness. Yeah, she might all. have been a little uh disappointed with the way that he spoke earlier, but it's not like he was a jerk. He was just like, I didn't say we were in love. And yeah, no, I'm like, I'm not saying he was an asshole or anything like that. She she I think would have viewed it radically different than you or I or Shang-Chi would have. But yeah, yeah like everybody in this book is projecting onto him so hard, but whatever. Uh so yeah, we we find out it's Ducharme. Um Master of Kung Fu number 44 is colored by Don Warfield and lettered by Annette Kuecki. Uh Griswold has these two guys take Shockwave off and transport him back to London. Um, we learn who Ducharme is. Um, it turns out that way back when uh, she was in love with a man named Pan Chen, that it turned out he was a, a Sci Fan assassin who was sent to kill uh, Dr. Petrie and Sir Dennis. Um, and all of the other assassins died with the exception of Pan Chen, who was then, you know, um, he knew he, going if to, he went back to Fu Manchu, he was definitely going to get killed. So right. he, so, gra- he grabbed Ducharme and they were just like running into the hills. Um, but of course they were caught. So like nearly immediately. <laughs> she is forced to watch as these huge poisonous spiders kill the man she loves and it's it's at this point that like Fu Manchu just like considers the matter done and just sends her away and she she is just like it's at that point that I con- I contacted Sir Dennis Nayland Smith and uh, set about trying to destroy uh, Fu Manchu he decided meanwhile sorry. Smith says that the best way that she she can help destroy Fu Manchu is from the inside. So right. he sends her to be a Fu Manchu groupie and provide information when she can yeah. to the network. Yep. So, uh, meanwhile, um, so Larner is, Larner is working on the, uh, the bomb fragments and figures out that it's a guy named Tarrant. Uh, which, interestingly enough, uh, works out of Switzerland. Um, so, uh, he's like, we'll, we'll go and track him down. Um, This is... I hate this so much. Okay, so... uh, Sir Dennis and Dr. Petrie go and visit Blackjack Tar in the hospital. Um, And... Clive... Clive arrives, and the three of them agree to go to Switzerland... Or 
go out from the chalet and look for sorry i'm trying to go off of because i was reading these yesterday and a lot happened yesterday so sorry i'm trying to make sense of the notes i have here yeah um uh basically they go to see or okay so reston Lako and shang chi split up kind of Lako gets put on a bike and then Shang-Chi and... Get on your bike. Uh, Shang-Chi and Reston are in, like, this Ferrari kind of looking car. Uh, yeah. Sniping at each other because... Clive... Laco's within 150 feet, and that means that Clive gets to be a dick. Um, <laughs> right, like, yeah. It's not uh, even that. Somebody mentions Laco. Right. Uh, like... <laughs> it, yeah, so he's being an ass to Chi or Shan, yeah, and he gets. They pass a truck, and even as they're going around it, he's like, you know, if my dad were here, he'd say that that truck looks like it have a car in it or something. And they go by, and the fucking truck has a car in it, and car speeds past them this dude jumps out or this bad dude who looks exactly like the guy from the expediter's place starts firing a large machine gun at them uh they manage to shoot the driver the car goes off a cliff Laco is out ahead of them but manages to pick up that there are dudes in wait uh dudes with guns in wait so she pulls a badass maneuver and like dual wields these pistols off this off this bike this motorcycle just popping guys left and right yeah it's it's pretty bitching (laughs) um there's a more goons one of which has a machine gun takes it or not a machine gun uh, like a bazooka uh takes a shot at her blows her off the bike She's dazed and mostly unconscious. And, uh... The guys kind of lose her. They arrive at the chalet they were supposed to be going to, um... Go inside and are greeted by more goons. Well, they they split up. Clive goes in the front and Shang-Chi goes around the back. Um, they arrive inside and Shang Chi. Shang Chi go is walking through the house when Reston falls out of a door because immediately he, of course, he immediately just got wrecked, and uh, so the the gunmen take Reston's gun, um, and they are. Um, the uh, the gunmen are getting ready to do something to them when they're when they proceed to flip it on them and um, start beating the shit out of them. Uh, they are everything comes to a flying ass halt when uh, Ye follow Sue. Follow Sue. I'm sorry. Follow Sue. I don't like. Comes in with two guys that have golden daggers. That's a whole thing. 
Um, <laughs> and yeah. uh, he, she's like, I've warned you before about coming between me and my, or in the struggle between my father and my forces. Uh, now you'll have to die. Yeah. Uh, also, this is the issue that Nayland Smith goes to visit uh, Shockwave with Petrie. And Petrie's like, oh man, I'm sorry, it's your, uh, it's your, your nephew. And he's like, yep, uh, leave me and Petrie alone with him. Petrie then shoots Smith and puts... Well, so Shockwave is delirious. Yeah. And, and not it, oh, really yeah, thinking about what he's saying. So he says, Petrie, the bomb is tar dead. We didn't fail again did we like we did with smith and petrie's like god damn it so sir dennis is like what what's going what's going on and uh petrie then shoots him and then puts the gun in uh in shockwave's hand in order to make it look like he shot him whatever who gives a shit (laughs) um the only thing about that is like now Smith knows that Petrie and Shockwave were programmed by Nayland Smith. Or Nayland Smith. Fu Manchu. Good God. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, uh, let's go ahead and take a break and then we'll uh, finish this up. Idris Elba is gonna be okay. Yeah. James Corden is gonna get hit by a bus eventually. (laughs) (laughs) And then humanity will be the better. Uh, Let's do Master of Kung Fu 45. Yeah, so Master of Kung Fu 45 starts. um, We have, we have, uh, what's her nuts? Uh, Fan. Basoli. No, follow C. Sue. Sue. Follow Sue. Uh, yeah, oh God. follow Sue. Why is uh, it I can remember everybody else's name, but hers just will I, not I stick? I don't know. I don't know. It's, yeah, I don't know. But you should have an easier time because she becomes a regular character after this. Oh, good. I'm not excited. Um, so she is setting loose her two golden dagger dudes Um, bolo and kimba uh which i always find the these things interesting uh where they where somebody has a golden weapon and it's just like gold is heavy and it's soft like this is (laughs) not a good this is not a good thing to make a weapon out of like you cannot temper gold um you can you can, if you really have to, like, do gold plating, I guess. Like, if you must have a golden dagger, but, like, don't make a dagger out of gold, dude. Just don't. It's a bad idea. Um, so, yeah. Um, but so, it's it's Clive and Shang-Chi versus Bolo and Kimba. And Rustin keeps referring to to the dude as Bimbo. Yeah, because um, he refuses to learn their names. 
which yeah fair uh it's it's the one time that i'm just like yeah all right um but there's a there's a big fight and it's really interesting and then it's interrupted when somebody runs it when we switch to petrie and smith and somebody runs in and they're like oh my god and uh Petrie's like, Sneed grabbed my gun. Uh, I got it away from him, but he had already shot Nayland Smith. Um, oh, the humanity. Yeah. Get him um, to the get him to the operating room. We've got to stop the hemorrhaging. Probably yeah. get the blood out. Or get the bullet out. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to get shot, doing it in a hospital is, is really convenient. It is it is really the best place to get shot if you have to. Right. Um yeah, because you know, like you're you're it's it's like um I had something but I lost it. Never mind. I'm not doing very well today. Uh but anyway. Um there's some more fighting between Reston and Shang-Chi and these two dipshits. Uh, then we have we have a brief vignette of... Also, I, I argue that Reston should be dead almost immediately. Oh, if, absolutely. If Shang-Chi is having any trouble with these guys, and he is, he's having a little bit of trouble. I think he manages to get his guy pushed out the window of the chalet yeah. down the mountain. But if Shang-Chi was having a little bit of trouble with his dude Reston should be dead immediately because yeah. he, he's fighting this his guy with like chair chair legs and random bits of furniture yeah Reston Reston should categorically be dead um but we we can't get that lucky I guess you know. um <clears throat> so there's a bridge that we switch back to Tar and Larner who are you know Having a wonderful moment in Tar's hotel room, hospital. or <laughs> hospital room, my bad. Um, then we finally, we get back to Shang-Chi and Reston. Shang-Chi saves Reston from uh, his guy, because, yeah. Um, and then we, we switch to a very very there's a very brief thing of Laco in a truck being brought to where they are and then there's an even then, briefer thing yeah aside about with Fu Manchu yeah. on a boat sending divers down to get a giant oyster clam oyster to the surface it's, yeah. it's humongous. Yeah. Bigger than four or five men across. Yeah. And. All right. I like, almost completely I guess, forgot that happened. Like. There are, I guess there are weirder things to do in the Marvel Universe. Even if you're a comparatively grounded book like Master of Kung Fu. Like there's weirder things that have happened. Um, but so. Shang-Chi and uh, Reston deal with the la- the f- the other guy. And uh, so then Fa Lo Su pulls out a gun and she's just like, yes, it's all 
it's all truly wonderful, but it's it's all just been a test. Um, at which point Tarrant comes in. And Tarrant, as it turns out, he, he has his face covered, but he's got a very familiar voice. Um, and uh, so follow Sue... Um, offers one last time to allow um, Shang-Chi to join her. And Shang-Chi, of course, says no. But, um, you know, this this can't ever be as... Why do, why do they keep offering this? Why do they keep saying, hey, I know you've opposed this at every turn, but what about now? Um... We switch back. Sir Dennis is out of surgery. Petrie is looking over him uh, and sends the nurse out of the room. Um, and it's it's during this that Shang-Chi and Reston find out that Petrie is working for, uh, for Fu Manchu. Uh, so we flip back and forth between follow Sue and, uh, Larner arriving at the hospital and then, um, Shang-Chi and Reston talking to follow Sue. And finally with Leiko who manages to escape her captors, take one of their guns and make her way to the chalet they're at. So there's a, there's a lot of flipping back and forth between these last few pages of the issue. Um, but the upshot of the Leiko Reston Shang-Chi thing. What? Well, before Leiko arrives at the chalet, Larner was hanging out in Nayland Smith's darkened room waiting or about to, or no. Does he walk in? Larner stops Petrie from stabbing Nayland Smith. Well, right. The, this, uh, this is literally, hang on. Did I miss that? And then Laco shows up at the, at the chalet with a gun, proceeds to unload it on everybody, uh, and they run. Yeah. Uh, follows, fa, lo, su, or yeah, then they run down the back behind the chalet, find some more goons, shoot at all of them, uh, or kick or whatever. They're running after. Well, the lunch. the thing. One quick thing. Okay. Laco Laco is standing there, and there's dudes. So there's a dude with a gun on Shang Chi, and a dude on it with a gun on Reston, and. Uh, Basically, the gunmen are just like, well, you can only shoot one of us before the other kills one of your friends. And uh, and Reston's like, well, go on, make your choice, which is this whole fucking just shoot Reston. <laughs> like, don't even don't even fuck with trying to save one of them. Just shoot Reston and have done with it. But uh, she, of course, shoots the dude who has the gun on Shang-Chi and then wheels and shoots the guy that had the gun on Reston, but like Reston, of course knows she shot the, she saved Shang-Chi first, which 
dude, get a fucking clue. Take the hint. It is over. She cannot more completely let you know that it is over. Just fucking move on. But yeah, so they they make their way down and are going after this launch. Reston gets aboard and rips Terrence's mask off. And it's Griswold. Um, But he gets clubbed in the head with a gun. um, And Shang-Chi and Leiko are trying to make it out there to help him. But it's too far out. And then there's a single gunshot. Which, whatever. This this whole thing just goes on way too goddamn long, and we don't even finish it this week. No. That's the worst part. <laughs> so, uh, right. I I will say the whole thing with Petrie. I think in this next issue, uh, they show him being reconditioned, and it's and it's literally like him strapped down with like speakers playing. You are Dr. Petrie. You have worked with British intelligence, nearly said British insurance, uh, to, to thwart the plans of Dr. Fu Manchu, blah, 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 blah. And so I like to think that, that like this, it's totally full of shit. And they've all that had happened was this guy broke their conditioning. And now they're trying to make him, they're trying to brainwash him again. So I don't know, but that's just because it's, it's an intelligence agency and therefore you can't trust any goddamn word they say. Anyway, um, issue number 40, fuck, what are we on? Six, Six. uh, is lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Joe Rosen. Um, and so we start we start uh we start with Reston being interrogated um and this these issues start doing a thing where they instead of Shang-Chi narrating which has always been the case during this series each issue winds up being narrated by somebody different this issue told from Do the what? point of view of somebody of one of the other characters which right for some of them makes sense this one isn't bad as far as that goes the last one or no wait do we get to blackjack tar this week yeah blackjack tar's issue is, is the last 47 one. or 48 and it just doesn't work as well because it should well yeah the the because the reason that he's narrating is dumb. And so what it basically means is that you've got a guy on a secret mission trying to infiltrate a base and never shutting the fuck up. But then also he it's mostly like all the action in that in the story of that issue is Shang-Chi focused, which means he just has to lurk in the fucking shadows narrating what's going on. Yeah, he's it's always really got to be nearby, or it's got to be like, unbeknownst to me, this was happening. Whatever. Fuck. Okay, anyway, so this issue is narrated by Reston. And so we learn that after getting clubbed in the back of the head, uh, 
Griswold calls out this guy named Chenkar, who is, I guess, a sumo, uh, to deal with Reston. Uh, he is to take him into a, the cabin and tie him up, but uh, Reston decides this is the time to stop faking and punches Chenkar and proceeds to go running and jump off the boat. Um, Griswold firing at him is what prompts the single gunshot that Shang-Chi and Laiko hurt. So, um, they proceed to try and go around the little harbor that they're in. And, uh, Reston swims to shore, get, starts running through the forest and then meets up with Laiko and Shang-Chi. So there was really no point for any of this whatsoever. Um, but they all, they all get together and make their way further up the mountain, uh, where, there is a bridge there is a literal bridge suspended over a gorge and Reston <sighs> Shang-Chi and Lako decide they're going to go over the bridge and Reston is going to go around like a sensible person <laughs> and admittedly he does it uh he does it because he's an asshole, because he doesn't want to be around Lego and Shang-Chi as they're like lovebirding it up. And but by the same token, it up. They're not doing no, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm not mad at I'm, I'm just saying I'm like mad at him. Um, but yeah, so Reston, Reston initially like just suggests throwing grenades down on the trucks that are moving underneath them. And Shang-Chi's just like, she's still my sister. And uh, so, yeah. Um, Leiko and Shang-Chi, for whatever reason, as I said, decide to cross the bridge. Um, and it's like a suspended footbridge. This is not yeah. a big bridge. Yeah, it's a suspended footbridge, which means they're hanging out over a gorge with, like, nothing between them and falling. And in gunmen. open in in the open like yeah. there's no cover here it's not a it's not a thing where there's like forest bridge forest it's like open ground bridge open ground so they're just going to be out there hanging and yeah um there's an airstrip on the other side of the bridge on the other across the gorge yeah well. um we switch to Fu Manchu, who gets the giant clam slash oyster. I guess I guess it looks more like a clam. It looks like a clam, but they keep calling it oyster. I don't know. Whatever. And it's got a pearl in it. They blow yeah. up the pearl, uh, and there <laughs> is a and there's a skull in the rubble. Okay. Uh, so they get across. They they start their way across the bridge. Reston goes down in the car to follow behind. He gets out of the car, waits, and is trying to, like, watch their... everybody else's ascent, the bad guys. And Chankar sneaks up behind him and just wallops the shit out of him. Um, and... 
that's where we get the the line about this being embarrassing and he hopes his father never hears about it and it's like just shut up um <laughs> Shankar yeah. takes him to uh follow Sue who is like great good spray this gas on his face so he's got the miasma on him he'll do anything uh she says yeah and everybody else goes up the side they want she wants Lako alive for some reason because Lako might still have information about Nail- what Nayland Smith is up to um yeah it's no it's uh because she might have inf- since she had just rescued Agent D she might have information about what Fu Manchu is planning right um they get across the bridge Lako and Shang-Chi they get across the bridge it's not a plane it's a helicopter uh that they were getting to Shankar gets in the way of them Fu Manchu or not Fu Manchu Shang-Chi eventually beats or no starts fighting uh Shankar and it's not gonna go well. Yeah, and he just keeps repeating Lako Wu. Yeah. Um because that's what he was told to do was go get her. Yeah. Lako, um, meanwhile starts sneaking up on Reston and the rest. Uh Reston gets taken into the terminal of the airstrip and basically just beset by spiders yeah it's a it's a repeat of what happened to Ducharme's uh, love in that he's locked into a room with all these giant ass spiders but before anything can happen uh, he follows Sue opens the door and kisses him and uh, all this shit but in the in the present, as he's being interrogated, he's like, I was being controlled. I was never working for her. She was controlling me for a short time. And they're like, so they pull his shirt open and they're like, why do you, uh, why do you bear the emblem of her spider? And he's got like this tattoo on his chest, which when did they find time to give him a fucking tattoo? But whatever. Apparently, like his his recollection is perfect for everything but that. Um, so Chi manages to, uh, I guess, kick Chinkar in the balls and kick him over, uh, over the cliff. And then, uh, he and Lako, uh, make their way in. Um, it's <sighs> at some point during the, Clive Reston gets kissed scene. Che- Leiko and Shang-Chi disappear. They're like, okay, good, they're gone, and just start to get on the helicopter. And at that point, Reston gets told that he's going to be left behind. Uh, and a couple of the, one of the guards or one of the goons says to him, shut up, Reston, you're going to blow our cover. He realizes it's Lako. 
going into the helicopter. They had Shang-Chi and Leiko had taken out a couple of the guards and stolen their clothes. Um, yeah. Whatever. At the end of this book, we find out that the person interrogating uh, Re- the people interrogating Reston were Blackjack Taran Larner, as well as some other dude, as some <laughs> other guy who clears him for uh, sedition or whatever the hell they were treason. consorting with the enemy treason. Yeah. Next. Yeah. Um. The next issue is uh, Master of Kung Fu number 47, which is... Uh, <clears throat> is that right? Did I get that wrong? No, okay, 47. no, sorry. Uh, Master of Kung Fu number 47. I Like I said, I am not with it today. Uh, colored by Hugh Paley and lettered by Joe Rosen. Um, so this one's told from Laco's point of view. Mm-hmm. It's not terrible. <laughs> so, best stroke of luck. <laughs> Follow Sue comes in and is like, hey, you two, go relieve the pilots. And they're like, okay. Uh, so they immediately go, they go relieve the pilots, and the first thing they do is call home. Uh, find out that Nayland Smith's, we find out that Nayland Smith is recovering. He is not recovered. Um, and they give him their location and where they're going to. Uh, they're in a plane. With and it's this issue, it, it's during this that we find out that uh, that uh, Petrie is in the process of being re-brainwashed. Um, so but yeah, go ahead. Larner sends... So I don't know at what Actually, now that I think about it, the timing here makes no sense. But somehow Reston's back in London already. And they're still only on their way to... The Arctic. Yeah. Don't think about it too hard. Let's just get through this. Uh, yeah, it's one It's one of those... It's like those movie tricks where they... they Once the, they figure they can cut and you won't think too closely about what just happened... Uh-huh. Even though the timelines do not match up at all. Um, so, uh, Smith sends Lerner and Reston ahead. And is like, go get on the plane, go get in the plane, and go after them. Uh, yeah. Tar, you're staying behind. You have to go to the communications department and pick something up. Uh, and then you'll be going after, after them here in a few hours. Uh, okay, good. Everybody leaves. Tar, on his way out, runs into Ducharme. And he's like, are you happy to be free of Fu Manchu? And she's like, it is a relief. And he's like, okay, well, I got to get going. And she's like, yes, I too have have an appointment. Um, And it's just like, they they cannot be doing more to telegraph this uh other than do you even spy bro because yeah (laughs) uh, you should know this uh so the pilots come back and relieve Laco and shang chi and they give them their cold suits and they're like you need to get into these because it's real fucking cold you need to drop that other stuff and everybody else is already like done and they're just like we can't do that because oh well fuck it they go ahead and take off their mask instead of uh, in front of her. And she's like, kill them. 
And so they kick the crap out of each other, or out of the goons, and escape into the this, snow. I hate this so much. <laughs> they, this whole thing hinges on the fact that they won't put on the cold suits. They have to put on the cold suits because it's really fucking cold outside. But then nobody ever really seems bothered by the cold at all. Oh, never again. Like, uh, they are they are boring. walking around for the rest of this issue sans cold suits and nobody freezes even though they specifically say it's like 70 below i think something to that yeah seven minus 70 degrees and it's just like they're walking around out there with nothing covering their heads and just whatever clothes they were wearing when they arrived so the cold suits weren't really that necessary did somebody get the wrong weather report or I don't understand. Why is this? Again, it's the cut. It's the cut where they're just like, people won't fucking remember. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Who cares that it was day when Bane robbed the the um, stock market? He goes in a tunnel and suddenly it's night. Who gives a shit? No one will know. Anyway. Um, they escape, but they're pursued. Somebody throws a grenade Laco shot throws it back at them, uh, killing a few of them and also providing cover for them to get the hell away. Yeah. Uh, we cut to Fu Manchu, who has taken his the skull he found in an oyster or in a pearl, and has reassembled a skeleton that is the remains of a long dead ancestor that he's going to revivify and make him his new son. Okay, you're so weird. Yeah, there's... Like, this doesn't even seem evil. This seems just, like, a weird thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like the idea that Fu Manchu is just an eccentric billionaire. Yeah. And everybody's just like, yeah, you're evil, boss, whatever. <laughs> but he's just farting around with skeletons and stuff. And they're like, yeah, sure, we'll go revivify him. And they take the skeleton out and then they're like, okay... Listen, Chuck, you have to pretend to be Shaka Khan. I no, just just Shaka listen. Karn. Yeah. Shaka Khan, sorry. Uh and it's just like no Chuck, Chuck, you fucking he is expecting Shaka Khan. <laughs> anyway. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh Reston and Larner are on their way, their plane gets shot out of the air. Uh crashes into the side of the mountain. Lako and Shang-Chi are still following uh, Fa, Lo, Su, and her her goons up the side of the mountain is, and they camp and uh, they go into a cave a couple miles back share body heat and bone down yeah. um, follow Su I assume I assume they don't actually bone I figure they mostly just rub up on each other yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> well, and I mean, that's one thing. But also, like, I just figure if it's 70 below, like they've claimed, they probably don't need to be taking their clothes off because they have not built a fire that I can see. No. Um, uh, she fo- follows who uh, pulls Larner and Reston out of the wreckage of their plane. She, this is seen by everyone. So at this point, rest. 
Leiko and Shang-Chi, there are too many fucking characters. Yeah. Are There's... still approaching... Fu Manchu sees follow Sue pulling Reston yeah. and Larner out of the plane, so he sends his men to attack. Follow Sue's men get Just routed. Like it's it's bad. This isn't this isn't a battle, this is a massacre. Yeah. And then at the end of it, uh like the surviving the survivors are left the uh, are given the choice to join up or die. And so, of course, they're all just like, yeah, we'll rejoin. Whatever. Um, Griswold is like, this is bullshit. I'm out of here. So follow Sue. Shoots him. Um, Reston and Larner are firing. Shang-Chi and Lako get there and they start wrecking shop. Um, and, in the, and in the end, they wind up helping uh, follow Sue escape. Um, with the understanding that she do what they fucking well say. And at this point, follows who is just like, my plans have been destroyed and Fu Manchu has to be stopped. So sure. Okay. I'm on board. Go team. And uh, it's this point that we get a brief thing with uh, Blackjack Tar where this dude's just like, hey, uh, developed a new transmitter. Uh, which sets up his whole thing next issue that's annoying as fuck. Um, and uh, so we 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 end the issue with the team splits up. Larner stays behind to watch follow Sue. And he's talking to her, at which point she reveals that Fu Manchu's plan is to... Uh, rip the moon out of its orbit she um i don't know do they do they address whether it's to slam it into the uh whatever okay so i guess i guess the plan is to make the tides go weird uh and since china is mostly inland china will have the most survivors which will somehow I don't know, world domination. Um, Shang-Chi, Leiko, and Reston go to make their way into the mountain fortress, which it turns out the entire mountain is the fortress because comics. Um, and then we end with Ducharme on the radio to Fu Manchu. He says, uh, does, your, does Smith suspect you? She says, no. Our years of deception have succeeded. He still believes that Ducharme is loyal to him and not to you. And it's just like, whatever. This was obvious. Uh, So the last issue this week, thank God, is uh, Master of Kung Fu number 48, uh, which is inked by Pablo Marcos and Jack Abel, colored by Janice Cohen, lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Denise Wall. Uh... And honestly, the inks and colors in this are strong. Yeah, they really are. Um, the The second page, uh-huh. the second and third page are this really cool splash uh, where the left half is 
scenes of like what Shang-Chi and Lako and Reston are dealing with, while the right is a shot of the literal city that Fu Manchu has built under this mountain. Uh, but as Tar is making his way inside, um, he so yeah, like we, like we said, he's he's narrating this issue. And the narration is provided as he's going through and this little button translate transmitter, he's just talking into it the whole time. So like I said, you've, you've got a secret agent who will not shut the fuck up. Um, <clears throat> but in the course of things, Fu Manchu is talking to his men, um, giving them a rousing speech. Uh, the... Reston, uh, Chi, and, uh, sorry. Blackjack runs into Lerner and, uh, follows Sue at the... Remains of the plane. Yeah, the remains of the plane. Reston and Leiko and Shang-Chi are in a cave under the mountain. They find a boat, uh, on a river that they plan to take toward something. Yeah. Uh, Larner tells uh, Larner tells Blackjack Fu Manchu's plan about the moon um, and how it'll just fuck everything up. Yeah, Follow Sue is explaining all of this, and it's really it's really weird because like I like I said, so it's. The plan is one way, and yeah, yeah. Sorry, no, you're fine. Um, yeah, like I said, the plan is to hurl it out of orbit. The tides will then destroy everything that's near water. Um, because I guess that's is that how it works? Like I, I, <laughs> well, I'm not like, saying losing for, the for moon would be a good thing. For a finale that seems so concerned about the moon and tides, this book does not know how tides work. Because they're That's consistently, at night, standing below the pier. Which, yeah. that's not the way tide works. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, um. So, Larner is going to stay by the plane and set up a bunch of bombs. Uh, Tar is going to take after take off after Reston and Laco and Chi. Uh, They get but they're on a boat they get seen by uh, Fu Manchu's people and Fu Manchu's like great bring them here. Uh, Mm -hmm. At that point Fu Manchu is introducing his new son who used to be his ancestor Shaka Karn the immortal who is usually you have to introduce time travel to make things this fucked up right but now we're just yeah it's whatever it's his new son <laughs> yeah they learn that Shang-Chi is in the building or in the compound everybody scatters to go find them um but what I will say is I love that when the dude comes to tell Fu Manchu that Shang-Chi has arrived, he says, 
glorious Fu Manchu, your son, he is here with others. And Fu Manchu, apparently brilliant mastermind that he is, goes, What? My son? Shaka Karn? And the dude's like, No. No. You're... Shang-Chi. <laughs> like, and he all right, earlier, dipshit. Like, Fu Manchu had earlier given a like outright decree that no one was to say... Okay, it was really contradictory. Not only were they never to refer to him as his son again, they were also never to say his name in his presence. So I don't know how the hell they tell him. Like, yeah, it's just like a guy is here. <laughs> Which guy? You know, the one. The one I'm not supposed to say. <laughs> uh, Blackjack Tar erupts from the river again, negating how cold it is. Uh, yeah, and grabs Laco's leg. Now, we've got Shang-Chi, Blackjack, Laco, and Reston together as they enter the compound and are immediately beset by uh, everybody. Like, just all the goons. All of them. Um, Yeah. Shang-Chi is the only one... They say something like, kill them all except Shang-Chi. So they scatter. Everybody runs in a different direction. Yeah. Uh, Blackjack. Yeah, they all just run in a different direction. Blackjack is separated from Shang-Chi, but able to see everything he's doing. Right. Um, sure. And just not helping. But, and they they do, they do this really annoying thing in this book. Um, it's one of my least favorite Shang-Chi related things about this book, because... There are other things that I hate more, but when it comes specifically to Shang-Chi, there are things that I that really annoy me because it's like uh, there are times where it's like they we get it. He's Bruce Lee. He's Bruce Lee. We get it because he will they will actually have him do like objectively Bruce Lee things. And one of those is in this fight with all these guards. He gets hold of these sticks that they're using and he starts beating the shit out of them. And he pauses in the middle of it to pose and just be like, and you're just like, okay, we got, you've, you've seen a Kung Fu movie. Um, But so Shang-Chi fights his way through these guards and then is confronted by the revivified, Shaka Karn, uh, who's wearing armor. So I, I stand by my Chuck theory that this could uh, be with Shaka Karn. <laughs> this is just some guard. They've never developed a revivification technology, and they're just like, yeah, yeah. This guinea pig is totally the other guinea pig that we killed, and now they just have to keep lying <laughs> just to keep him happy. Um, but yeah, so he and he and Shaka Khan uh, square off, and that is thankfully the end of this issue and this week's reading. Which, god damn. Anyway, top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's top five. All right, uh, so number five, those gangsters just want to make sure the cat, or cat isn't their new boss. 
because that's really what it would turn come down to is like oh we were just coming out here to make sure you weren't like trying to get in on the gambling and drugs and prostitution because that's kind of our thing and like if you got into it we you would just be running all of it by the end of the week and i get think that would be okay we just don't you know we just wanted to know uh number four is heather you need to go home you need to take some time some some you time and really discover who the hell you are because I don't know you need to go home uh, number three getting a sh- getting shot in a hospital is really convenient uh, and probably the only reason why he lived also that was just a bad plan don't Petrie uh, number two is uh, Shang Shang-Chi corrects Tar about his name finally um, I liked that moment I wish it would have it, it does finally pay off I know because I accidentally read ahead uh, but it takes for goddamn ever to get there and then mm. uh, number one is uh, Shang-Chi with the batons at the end of 48 it was the best fight of the week he was fucking badass and the it also says in the narration that he's pretty much like lost his shit at that point like mm-hmm. it, he nor he never fights with the intention of killing um this is that to its extreme like he does not he's not intending to murder any of these people but he cares even less if it happens this mm-hmm. now um, it's it's the best fight. It's the best choreographed. Actually, forty eight having that splash page in it as well. I just wish it wouldn't have been Tar's issue. Yeah. All right, that's mine. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, so I had a I had a hard time because like there were several things that I just kind of lumped together, which meant that I was struggling. Um, so my number five is, I guess, at the end of uh, forty-eight, when uh, when they when they set up the next issue and they're like the agent that died, I'm la- I had hope for a minute that that would be Reston, um, so that was good. Uh, number four, uh, the. <clears throat> Uh, Bob Brown's art in Daredevil. I really, I really dug it. Uh, he was really knocking it out of the park there. Number three is Cat. Uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Uh, just because, like, the issues themselves weren't necessarily bad, but uh, all I could keep thinking about was Cable Deadpool once I realized it was the same character. Yeah. And that made me, that made me warm and fuzzy inside. Uh Number two is uh, Paul Galassi, because like I said, it's this week that I realized I really do like um, Paul Galassi's art isn't always the best in terms of, uh, you know, it's like while I wouldn't hold him up as technically proficient when it comes to drawing people and stuff uh, against other artists. I would say that more than anyone else who we're reading right now, he's playing with the form 
in a way that very few very few people are um and i dig the shit out of that my number one this week is the fact that everybody keeps forgetting shang chi was raised in a bunker um because i i like to think you know the movie blast from the past with uh with um what's his name uh brendan fraser brendan fraser uh I like to imagine Shang-Chi is basically like Brendan Fraser in Blast from the Past, but everything he says that's completely like incongruous or is an anachronism, people just write off as Asian mysticism. Okay, <laughs> like, yeah, sure. He's still just as functionally unable to deal with the world as it is, but everybody's just like, he's Asian, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> like, and so that's they end up ascribing all those extra traits to him that he does not possess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but that's primarily because I'm a fucked up individual. Uh, I will say I like the idea of Shaka Khan being Chuck, and uh, these are both now head canon for me. Like sure. no matter what happens, even if they reveal that it actually is Shaka Karn or whatever, and like they've revived, no, that's totally some just some asshole that works for Fu Manchu. No matter what, absolutely. Uh, anyway, so uh, next week we've got the wrap up of this bullshit. Thank God, uh, some more Daredevil, um, and then some Amazing Spider Man. So oh, good, thank God. That'll probably be good. <laughs> it has, it stands a better chance of uh, of it than the than some of the other this stuff. This was not bad. It just was a slog. It was because there were so many there were so many things where it was just like, and now somebody's here, and now they're gone again, and yeah. they're over here. Like it's like the last season of Game of Thrones where people are just where they need to be to wrap shit up, right? Um. But whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, that is that is it. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us both individually and at Watchers Guide MU. Um, email us at watchersguide at gmail dot com or visit our website at watchersguide dot com. That is it for us. Have a marvelous week. Bye. Not our best episode, but whatever. <laughs>